Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Julian Story Aviation Podcast. So here we are. It's episode four of the Julian Story Aviation Podcast. If you enjoy these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Also, if you could take the time to leave a rating and maybe even a review, it really helps people find the podcast. As we start to very slowly emerge from the chaos caused to the aviation industry by the coronavirus pandemic, we're starting to get quite a few inquiries from prospective clients who are considering buying their own private jet. Airline route networks have been slashed, people are worried about catching the virus on an airliner, and I think that the industry is going to experience something of a mini-boom, much like it did after 9-11. My standard answer to anyone thinking about buying their own aircraft is that there is literally only one good reason not to, and that's that you can't afford it. But some of these people's enthusiasm for aircraft ownership seems to be being somewhat tempered by a sort of nagging guilt about the harm they've been told that this might do to the environment. Joining me now is the author of a fantastically well-researched book called Watermelons, which I think that literally everybody should read. He's a chap called James Dellingpole, and he's going to explain why private jet ownership probably won't kill any polar bears. James, hi. Uh, Hello, Julian. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. So... My task today is to persuade potential purchasers of private jets that you're not going to be destroying the planet if you buy one. Is that right? Absolutely right. Um, One of the things that people have been mentioning to me when they've been weighing up whether or not they should get a jet is they have this sort of nagging doubt that somehow buying it makes them a bad person or that it'll kill some polar bears. And, 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 And as you and I both know, that's complete rubbish. Yes, I would say that it is a classic affliction particularly of the kind of class of people who are able to afford private jets. And I have nothing against these people. I think it's splendid that they've made their money, and I think it's splendid that they want to uh, spend it on (laughs) making their air travel less miserable, because God knows private jets are so much more fun. Um, But the reason I say say it's characteristic of those kind of people is that when people have made a lot of money – they tend to look for reasons to feel guilty about about themselves. It's just the kind of the luxury of, of, of having you know time to think about about uh, the world and and people start beating themselves up and wondering whether they really deserve it. And one way this manifests itself is eco guilt. And it's not surprising given that if you look at the kind of 
you look at how the charities world works, for example, in America, this is especially true, that there are lots of organizations like the Nature Conservancy, like the Sierra Club, yeah. which target the very rich and guilt trip them into thinking that they are somehow responsible for destroying the environment. And that as a consequence of this, they ought to, f to pay a, a form of Danegelt yeah. to the environmental movement in the form of, of you know campaigning for the sierra club or giving them massive amounts of money yep. or whatever all i can say first of all before i go on is that i care about nature at least as much as any greenie i have ever met probably probably more i yep. was i was me, me too Absolutely. i was brought up by but my dad was a very keen amateur naturalist and we used to travel all over the world not by private jet unfortunately um collecting well our, our, our particular hobby was collecting reptiles and amphibians so we'd go we, we went as far as the seychelles um to this remote island where where this, this kind of skink was found There's, this 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 skink is only found on two islands in the world and okay. um uh we brought some of those back and bred them successfully in 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 the uk um i love wild swimming i love walking in 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 nature so you know don't nobody try and lecture me uh that i am that i am unworthy to live on the planet and that i am a destroyer it's just an unfortunate fact of our existence that that we of course are going to have some kind of environmental footprint it's it's not it, it's, it's inevitable not to have an environmental yeah, absolutely footprint. Yeah. of course it is so it's a trade-off, and I totally agree that we have a duty to look after the planet and, and as best, best we can preserve it for future generations, which is what we're largely doing. I mean, our environmental footprint today is far, despite the, the expanding population, is far, far smaller than it was, say, a century ago or, or uh, you know, at the height of the Industrial Revolution, that they were much less pollution conscience, conscious in those days. And it, it is, by the way, a function of prosperity. There's something called the environmental Cousinets curve, which suggests that until a nation's per capita income re reaches a certain point, I think it's about something like, it's something quite small, like $11,000 a, a year, or maybe, maybe I've got that slightly wrong. Okay. But up until that point, countries cannot afford to to care about the environment. They, they're just busy trying to stay alive. Yeah. After that, as we get richer, we get much, much better at things, doing doing stuff like putting catalytic converters into into car engines to strip out all the nasty stuff, um, putting, um, you, you know, uh, uh, ensuring that that the stuff that comes out of power stations has 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 had all its 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 nasty nasty stuff removed. Um, so it's it, it's not as though we live in a world which doesn't care about the environment. I, I suppose my beef with the environmental movement is that it, it misdirects. Yeah. It, it 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 exaggerates certain problems and ignores uh, or um, underestimates other ones. So I'm I mean. I'm bothered by by issues that are real, like overfishing in yep. certain parts of the world, yep. um, the depletion of water tables, um, the destruction of. I mean, this is this is extraordinary. The destruction of forests in America to create wood chips to be burned in in power stations in England in order to create so-called 
renewable um, energy. Some sort of green electricity. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very very dodgy. And in fact, Michael Moore, who I'm normally not a fan of, but has just produced this fantastic documentary, which details the damage that is being done by environmentalism to the planet in the form of renewable energy particularly so wind turbines solar farms all of these things which which apart from making the landscape much much uglier uh, also do tremendous damage like like chopping up birds and bats in the case of of, of wind turbines yeah. um, and frying birds in the case of solar arrays so i i suppose that I'm coming at this from the point of view of somebody who really cares about nature is very concerned that the narrative that we are fed about the environment by green groups, by money grubbing green, green groups is not actually representative of the truth. I think you're absolutely right. But part of the problem is that it took me a whole book to explain why I think this, the the reasons that I have for thinking this, it's not like one of the problems with the environmental movement, which is which is one of the most powerful movements in the world today. One of the problems with it is that it cannot be refuted in one or two simple punchy slogans. I I mean, it specializes in, in punchy slogans itself, but that's the problem with it that it is essentially a movement of the emotions rather than of the facts of of evidence so when you look for example at evidence to support the claim that man-made carbon emissions well you see there i'm using the enemy's terms it's not carbon emissions it's carbon dioxide emissions carbon yep. carbon is 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 black stuff that carbon dioxide is a is a harmless it's, it's compound harmless yep. trace gas yeah so that so the, there's the evidence that anthropogenic i.e man-made co2 emissions are damaging the planet in an unprecedented way is simply non-existent yeah uh which is to say that it exists only in computer modeled projections which are not a reflection of any kind of reality they're just they're they're reflection rather of the algorithms that are programmed into these models and the data that's fed into these models and the data that's fed into these these computer computer models is often unreliable it's often been adjusted by party pre-activist scientists who are not acting with the um Charles Darwin said that a, that a, a scientist ought to have a heart of ice. Yep. That, that, in other words, you shouldn't you shouldn't prejudge your experiments. You should just observe the data and draw your conclusions accordingly. Because if you do that, then you're not going to be led into into groupthink. You're not going to be fooled. I mean, it, you're certainly not going to get your scientific breakthrough if you just go along with what, what everyone, everyone declares is established science. And there Absolutely are right. countless examples yeah. of this through, through history. So the narrative is pushed aggressively by, not least by the renewables lo- lobby, which stands to make a lot of money out of this via taxpayer subsidies. Uh, subsidies. Um, the, the narrative goes that, that man, man-made, man-made carbon emissions are, are warming the planet at an unprecedented and catastrophic rate yep. and that unless we act 
now or preferably by yesterday in a drastic then the world way. is going to yeah yeah there is simply no evidence to support this so no. if one thing it is not it is not unprecedented there have been rises as steep and as fast in in global mean temperature yep. insofar as one can calculate such a thing i mean obviously it's a chaotic system and how do you know it depends on on where you measure measure and 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 how many measuring points you've got, which of, which of course the world's a big place. You can't you can't get comprehensive coverage. But that, that's by the way. Yep. The world has, it seems, from past records, warmed at at least as rapid a rate and dramatic a rate in in previous in in pre-industrial periods, which would suggest that the the connection between human CO two emissions and global warming is doesn't does not it doesn't tell us the full story because in the past before we were flying around in private jets and jumbo jets and before we were we were driving everywhere in cars and stuff before that time even then the planet was capable of warming and cooling at a rapid rate over a, a period of years yeah well i remember as a, as a young boy i remember the big fear then was that we were heading for another ice age you remember that yes it's interesting isn't it that, that there are for example um I think issues of there was a cover of Time magazine warn, warning that the the next ice age, ice age was imminent, and what the what the current climate alarmist establishment has quite successfully done is 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 they've airbrushed this out of history. They've they've denied. They've almost gone so far as to deny that anyone ever said this thing. Yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't support their narrative that the science is settled and that the science knows what's happening because clearly if scientists in the 1970s hadn't a bloody clue yeah what What does does that that say say about about modern science absolutely right yeah so yeah, come around. No, sorry. I, I, I was just going to say, on the subject of carbon dioxide, um, of all of the anthropogenic carbon dioxide, aviation in the whole world, and that's every airliner, every every aircraft you can think of, only produces 2% of anthropogenic carbon dioxide. Even if we even if we were to take a leap of faith and say that we did think that there was an issue with uh, with carbon dioxide and, or a link between carbon dioxide and global warming, uh, or climate change, as I like to call it now, um, still the amount that's produced by any aircraft is is minuscule in the, in the whole scheme of things and and the amount produced by well, private jets is even smaller than that but um you know having read your book it, it it casts a lot of doubt on whether there is really any sort of definite link between between anthropogenic um activity and and climate change well and of course we haven't even gone to the the elephant in the room which is which is china yeah if you are still concerned you know despite everything despite like stuff like scientific evidence uh, if you're still concerned about the the, the the environmental damage that that your private jet might be doing, just look at look at China and ask yourself: Is China going to allow its economic growth to be held back by Western squeamishness about climate change? The Chinese the the, the Chinese uh, have continued to build coal-fired power stations supposedly the dirtiest of of, of energy production form of energy production um at a rate of knots and yep. their share of global co2 emissions as a producer grows each year their, their percentage of the pie so yep. whatever we do in the west anyway is going to be more than offset by by china yeah 
Finally, I've been to, uh, and quite apart from the, uh, the, the the climate change aspect of, of, of China, uh, I've been to China and uh, I was in Shanghai and uh, everybody's riding on their bicycles with their, with their, you know, their pollution masks on. And um, I said to one of the guys at the airport, I said, where does all this smog come from? And he said, well, a lot of people here are so poor, they can't afford fuel for their home. A lot of people still have an open fire and they'll burn anything they can get their hands on, you know, plastic bottles, anything that'll burn, a bit of car tyre. And of course, all this stuff goes into smoke, turns into smog. So compared to compared to what's going on over there, what's coming out of the back of your private jet or your Range Rover is really insignificant, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So, so uh, number one, the scientific evidence, the real world evidence, as opposed to the computer modelers' projections, does not show that man-made global warming is a problem. I mean, yeah. since since we started coming out of the little ice age in about the middle of the 19th century the planet has warmed by roughly one degree centigrade which is when you think about it less than the temperature increase between when you get out of bed and you have your first cup of coffee yeah um it's it, it, it's 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 nothing um and uh, there is no evidence that that it's accelerating there's no evidence that 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 sea level rise, the rate of sea level rise has, has, has increased at all. It's 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 been steadily rising for for, for many hundreds of years. Um, the the environmental scare stories have been very much overdone by by uh, I suppose the sort of lobbying sector of society. You know, it, there's green activists. I, I mean, this I think we are the first generation where people can boast about the fact that you put the word activist as their uh, as 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 their job, yeah. Or, or, um, very, very, it seems to become a thing. Very very topical at the moment. Well, well, uh, well, uh, absolutely. And I um, activists are about raising public concern by whatever means. They're about raising money for their for their cause. And what this does is it gives a very distorted picture because if they had the appetite to fight back with counter arguments which they don't by the way but if but if they did uh oil companies would probably simply be shouted down as well you would say that because you're an oil company but when you think about it activists have an equal incentive for for coming up with whatever manner of bullshit because after all what they're trying to do is raise awareness with extreme examples and persuade people to part with their cash to give to their cause. Absolutely. So all in all, I would say there's probably nothing I can say in a sentence or two that will persuade anyone who's, who's spent the last 20s being brainwashed by the popular narrative about climate change and environmentalism and sustainability and so on. There's nothing I can say that will just make you go, oh, wow. Well, now you've told that I'm going to change my mind. But I, th- I think you owe it to yourself and actually to to future generations, actually, because I think I think the environmentalism has become a very dangerous cause. I think it's I think it's it's diverted resources um, in, 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 in unhelpful directions. Yeah. Um, the money would be much, much better spent elsewhere. Uh, I think you owe it to yourself and your understanding of the world to do a bit of research and and what you will find is that what i say is true that there is no evidence that global warming is anything to worry about nor any of the concomitant um disasters that we're promised will, will, will come 
when you look into those, you find those too. That there's there's very little evidence that that global warming, man-made global warming, is is a problem. Absolutely right, James. Thank you so much for your time. That's absolutely brilliant, fascinating stuff. And um, I would encourage everybody to read um, read your book, Watermelons. Um, thank you very much. Oh, and also they can if they want to listen to my podcast. I do a podcast as a well. Brilliant I'm sure podcast. Not as good as yours, Julian. But I think yours is better. <laughs> um, oh well, thank you. Well, it's it's I, I do talk to interesting people, and it's on patreon you can support me on patreon that's a good place to go and then you get early access to my podcasts or, or if you want to suck it and see you can you can find me on apple what is it called itunes and um youtube and stuff like that anyway it's called the, it's called the delling pod and, and, and thanks again for having me on your show Julian. james thank you so much for your time it's Great. been brilliant thank you very much indeed thank you james Dellingpole there ladies and gentlemen If you've not already read his brilliant book, Watermelons, and you'd like to, I'm running a little competition. The first five people to email me with the name of James's brilliant podcast will win a Kindle format copy of his book. Send your emails to podcast at julianstory.co.uk and I'll announce the names of the five lucky winners in the next podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you need an aircraft delivered, Julian Story Aviation is your number one choice. Specializing in King Airs, CJs, Citations, and the Learjet 40 and 45, we can help you with everything from factory acceptance or arranging a pre-buy inspection through to guidance on importation, tax implications, and ownership structures, as well as fairing your new aircraft. We have delivered dozens of aircraft worldwide, safely, on time, and on budget, and we would love to help you with yours. If you're buying or selling an aircraft, Aircraft, email fairing at juliestory.co.uk or call us on plus four four one six two four eight two nine four three six. So now that the coronavirus restrictions are starting to lift, many of us are thinking about going flying. For a lot of us, this will be our first flight in many months, so joining us now is Kathan Dudella, an instructor from Stars Fly Flying School at Elstree, who's going to tell us about some of the things that we should be thinking about before we jump into an aircraft and head for the sky. Kathan, hi. 
Hello there. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well. So you're an instructor at Stars Fly, uh, which is uh, which is at Elstree, and you're going to tell us a little bit about uh, what people should be thinking about if they haven't flown for a while. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so there are a few points uh, that I'll be I'll be uh, saying, and then we can just ex- expand on that of what I mean by those points. Okay. Uh, so, firstly, yeah, I would like to start off with the pilot itself. Okay. Uh, the pilot and his license. Uh, okay. They're the two main important things. Okay. Uh, because if if you have a look at the pilot license, if it's not current, the pilot is basically flying illegal. Uh, right. So, any anything happens, he's not is not uh, covered with insurance. Absolutely. He would be illegal and uninsured. Absolutely right. And I'm guessing if you, yeah. haven't, if you haven't had your license out of your bag for a little while, it'd be very easy for maybe one of your ratings to be invalid or your medical to be invalid or something like that. A very good point. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, it happened uh, to me, actually, uh, where my SAP expired and I didn't know about it until three months later. Ah. Luckily, I didn't do any flights in that time. Ah, easily uh, forgotten. But it's, it's easily forgotten, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a really main point, that your ratings are valid, you're, you're current on the plane that you're about to fly, uh, just the license itself, basically. Okay, so a little a little talk about currency. So let's imagine that uh, you pull your license out of your bag and the rating's good and your medical's good. Uh, legally, you can go flying, but can you carry passengers? Uh, no, no. So if you haven't been done three takeoffs and landings in the previous 90 days, you cannot take passengers. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be very easy to think, it's a beautiful day. I'm allowed to go flying now. Let's take my wife flying. You uh, get to the airport, put your wife in the airplane. And if you haven't done those three takeoffs and landings in the last 90 days, your flight is illegal and uninsured. So yeah, a- an- another, very, another very good point. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the, the, ne- the next point I would like to uh, focus on is, uh, again, the pilot itself, uh, okay. but his medical fitness. Yep. Because... Again, same as, as uh, license ratings, medical uh, uh, expiry dates can easily be forgotten too. This is true. And as we know, as we get older, the renewal c- dates of the medical gets closer and closer. Yes. So we must make sure uh, that we are still valid with medical and not just the medical certificate. If you have the medical certificate in the hand, that doesn't mean that you're good to go flying. You also need to ask yourself, uh, am I really fit to go flying? Yeah. Uh, because... If I've just been through uh, a mental stress the day before, you should really not be flying. Yep. You should follow the checklist of uh, I am safe. Yep. So illness, medical, uh, and, and all those stuff. You should be thinking to yourself whether you are safe uh, to, to fly the aircraft, not just a piece of paper certifying you. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and and actually, I think a lot of people, even though they might be legally current, uh, they may um, they may have a valid medical. May, maybe they're just not comfortable getting in the airplane without an instructor because they haven't flown for a while. And as I understand it, the rules permit solo flying, but there's still no dual flying for most private pilots. So, yeah, it's a, va- a very valid point, actually, Catherine, because, you know, a lot of people, they may be legal, but is it a good idea? Maybe they're a low-time low pilot, maybe they're a bit rusty to begin with. Uh, if they haven't flown for, I mean, they might not have flown for a while over the winter. They could have been several months Absolutely. away from flying. Uh, probably not a great idea to just go jump in an airplane uh, and blast off without uh, without a checkout with an instructor, which, as we all know, is is, is not currently permitted. Yeah, very good it's point. Not uh, another very yeah. good point. Yeah. Uh, the next point I would like to consider uh, is uh, the aircraft itself. Uh, so the aircraft, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you uh, own the aircraft uh, yep. the, and you haven't been flying, the aircraft will be just sitting there. Yep. Uh, you don't know what's, uh, what's been done to the aircraft, what, what birds have been doing to the aircraft, what, uh, what the water has been done, what, what, what water has done 
onto the aircraft. Yep. So you must also make sure that you do a proper pre-flight check. Uh, make sure you check for water in the fuel. Yep. Make sure that the uh, cables and linkages are all good. Make sure uh, that uh, you have correct amount of oil, correct amount of lubrication. Yep. You have to check the plane inside and out before you actually go flying. Absolutely right. Because and you... once, once yeah, because once you're in the air, that that's it. So, so you, you also want to get down on the ground. Uh, so if you make sure and you find something on the ground, it will definitely help you back. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly way better to find something wrong before you've left the ground. Uh, it's not like a car. You can't just pull over in the hard shoulder and call the RAC. Absolutely. 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 Once, you're, once you're in the air, you're in the air. Another you're in the point. air. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and as I think you said at the beginning, you don't know what the birds have been doing. You know, is there a bird's nest in the intake? Uh, you, you have no idea. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the next thing I would like to uh, express on is the NOTAMs. Okay. Because as, as skies open up again, there are still some parts of the skies that are still restricted. Uh, you can't go uh, in them, or Absolutely they're very right. limited yep. uh, to to certain aircraft. And and no times are really really important. I mean, even in in those normal days, uh, and it's really important now because as as skies open up, more and more people want to go flying. So there will be more people than before. Although although the instructing is not permitted, but there will be more aircraft, more people that want to go flying than before. Absolutely. Uh, so NOTAMs is something that that's definitely to be considered. And I think actually NOTAMs are something that a lot of private pilots are pretty slack about checking. That's not all private pilots. Some of them are very, very, uh, very um, diligent and they check them very carefully before every flight. But I think there are a lot of pilots who just rock up at the airport, jump in the airplane, think, well, I'm, I'm only going to, I don't know, head corner. I've been there loads of times. They don't check the NOTAMs. Uh, and and I, think, I think it's something that uh, as an instructor probably – you should maybe be impressing on on your students just how important it is to check the no times because i know so many people don't Absolutely. yeah but you're right at the yeah, moment yeah, even no, more so. plus at the moment a lot of airfields are closed at the moment um certainly i mean yeah. that's that's slowly changing but a lot of them are closed uh, got funny opening hours um so yeah no a very a very good point yeah yeah that's it uh, so so you don't want to end up uh, getting stuck in it at, at an airfield and not being able to take off again until they reopen absolutely right yeah yeah the, the, the next thing i'd like to consider is the airfield considerations okay some airfields they they might have uh, certain procedures uh, such as uh, no circuit permi- uh, permitting or, yep. or uh, you must fly this procedure noise abatement procedure yep. uh, during during this lockdown uh, because people are at home so, yep. uh, so it is definitely worth considering the airfield consideration because they're trying their best uh, to open up again yep. and if we uh, don't comply with their rules you know, I think most airfields are trying to be as good a neighbour as they can be, and um, uh, and flying the correct noise abatement procedure definitely helps with that. Uh, I mean, you're an instructor at Elstree, and I know that at Elstree the procedures are probably a little more complicated than in a lot of places. So it's very important somewhere like that oh, yes. to be following following the local procedures. Absolutely, absolutely. Because the last thing you want is people at home and just complaining about planes flying over their house every day. Uh, you don't want that, because, yeah. Because if if you are at home and planes flying over your house every minute, Low that level. would for you yeah. as well. So, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we must also take care of the people around. Yeah. The the next thing I would like to uh, consider is actually transport uh, transportation uh, to and from the airfield. Okay. Although it's a very minor thing, uh, but if you have if if you think about it, that to come to the airfield, uh, you're actually or some people uh, take public transport. So, yeah, yeah, but where some some people take take car. Absolutely. So actually, if you're going to go flying, the high risk part of your day out is probably 
or it could be potentially your transport to and from the airport. Absolutely, absolutely. Because last thing you want is, okay, you've just been flying, but you also uh, caught the virus back home. Yeah. And you've just infected your family, uh, which is the last thing you want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and actually, potentially, if uh, I, mean, I, I know most, uh, most operators, almost flight schools, uh, have got some sort of sanitization program to sanitize aircraft in between uh, people who are renting them. But uh, even so, you know, you don't necessarily want to get on the underground, pick up something and, and leave it in the airplane for the next person. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's my that's my next point, uh, which is to uh, sanitize, uh, take care of yourself when you're flying, uh, because uh, w- once you're in the aircraft, uh, it, it's just you in the aircraft. Um, maybe there's some one of your family members with you, but you want to make sure that you minimize the, the risk of you getting infected or you infecting others uh, whilst in the aircraft. So you must uh, take uh, hand sanitizer, hand gloves and Wear a special mask, uh, which I which I got heard heard, heard the rumor that they're releasing for pilots. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you you yeah, I, th- I think those are the really uh, important things to consider. That's really good. Thank you very much well, indeed. So, if anybody would like to uh, learn to fly with Kathan or one of his colleagues, uh, you can find him at Stars Fly Flying Club at Elstree. They have a website. It's www.starsfly.co.uk. Kathan, thank you very much. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed listening to this edition of the Julian Story Aviation Podcast, then don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Acast, and all the normal places that you would download your podcast from. If you have any comments about the podcast or have any great ideas for a podcast guest, drop me an email to podcast at julianstory.co.uk. Finally, now that the recreational flying restrictions have been partially relaxed, I hope that some of you may have been able to get up in the air. If you're one of those lucky ones, fly safe and keep it shiny side up.